Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hey, Trojan fans, welcome to a very special edition of the Peristyle Podcast. We are going to be talking about USC and UCLA. And now that we're part of the Scout.com network, we wanted to bring over our friends from Bro, Bruin Report Online. They're the UCLA site that covers the that covers the Bruins for the Scout.com network. And we have David Woods, who's the beat writer for both football and basketball, covering UCLA. You can follow him on Twitter at David David Woods. David Woods joins the show. What's up, man? How you doing? Doing well. Welcome to the uh, Scout Network. Good to have you, man. Thanks, man. It's a, it's great. Like you know, I, I get to do your podcast. We get to talk about. We've had the biggest USC site. Rose had the biggest UCLA site. We've been in different networks. People on the other boards kind of talk about, hey, what's Bro saying or what's USCFootball.com saying. Now we're on the same network. It's kind of a cool thing. We're all together. Yeah, it's just fans can all talk after each other. Right. <laughs> it's great. It's wonderful. Not, yeah, not that the fans on Bro and USCFootball.com like each other, but. As a network, we do try to work together a little bit here, and that's why we could do a podcast like this because we want to bring, you know, the most up to date and current information about you know UCLA to USC fans and 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 vice versa. So I really appreciate you coming on to to share some insights about this UCLA Bruin football team. Absolutely, it's an exciting week, rivalry week, lots of fun. Yeah, the rivalry week's a, it's a big deal, and and UCLA's had uh, two weeks to to prepare. They've had a bye week. USC's coming off a Thursday game, so they basically took one extra practice and I I saw this kind of going into the the Cal game when Cal had time off and USC had time off USC really didn't took a whole week off instead of uh practicing during that week and Cal practiced like three extra times I was curious on the UCLA side during the bye week like how often did the Bruins practice kind of prepping for this game before heading into the game week they treated it more or less like a real game week. Um, they practiced their typical schedule, which is do kind of a small thing on Monday and then practice pretty heavily Tuesday through Thursday. And then they did a little bit of stuff over the weekend. But they mostly just treated it like a typical game week, except the stuff they were doing in practice was more geared towards individual work, kind of the stuff they do in fall camp where they're just, you know, working on special teams, working on fundamentals, just trying to, you know, get everything kind of tightened up heading into you know, obviously, two of the biggest games of the year coming up. The uh, as far as the season goes, you know, there's kind of two losses in the middle. You, you know, both teams, USC and UCLA, both lost to Utah. Tough one against Oregon. But obviously, they're they're playing really well. You kind of caught Oregon at a bad time there. Sure. Um, but blowing out Arizona State. I mean, it's absolutely incredible watching that game. It looks like Arizona State's up early and kind of come back. But you know, there've been close games with. Colorado just it's been a strange kind of up and down season but it seems like the Bruins are playing better football now towards the end of the season yeah they've kind of it's watching the games they've kind of passed the eye test the last couple of games um you know the final score against Washington was probably a little bit closer than that game actually was and the final score against Arizona maybe too but they've just been a really odd team this year um they've had a myriad of issues I mean the first you know, four games of the year, you would have said probably, you know, and then through the two losses, probably scheme might have been one of the bigger issues just on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Just, you know, the defensively, they were a little too conservative, weren't bringing enough pressure on the quarterback. Um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, not playing as much to Hunley's strengths. And then 
that kind of changed, but then they still scuffled a little bit against Cal and Colorado, and that was largely due to Brett Hundley kind of hitting what's become a little typical for him, his midseason lull a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then he kind of broke out of that a little bit, especially against Washington. So obviously the hope is that they'll continue that momentum through the bye week and be able to play their best ball through the last two games. But, you know, anybody who says they know exactly what to expect from this UCLA <laughs> team at this point is lying. Yeah, I agree. I think it's the same thing on the USC side, too. It's hard. To, it's been a really crazy road to the Pac-12 South. But, I mean, I think there's a lot more importance in this game now that it actually means something. I mean, it's, you know, we've seen streaks kind of go back and forth. But for it to matter this much in the Pac-12 South race late in the season, I think it just adds to the rivalry this year. Oh, it's it's so much more fun. I mean, when, when USC and UCLA are actually both good, I mean, I was a student during the friggin' Durrell years. So I know what it's like <laughs> to just, you know, deal with beatdown after beatdown after beatdown, coupled with one random 13-9 win followed by another beatdown. So it's nice when they're both pretty good and they're competitive games. Um, you know, I think going forward, that's kind of the look I'm expecting. I mean, USC is recruiting at a great clip. UCLA is recruiting really well. Um, they're turning out talent. They've got a couple of pretty good staffs. So I would expect it to be good going forward. But, I mean, the last two years, I think both teams have been ranked going in. This year they're both ranked going in. And I think that's the uh, – Tracy wrote it in the Facts and Factors today, but I think that's the first time that's happened since the early 80s. So I, I think the rivalry right now in terms of the co- competitiveness between the two teams and the two staff and the two recruiting staff, it's better than it's been for a long, long time. The uh, uh, There's a lot of talk about the UCLA defense. Maybe can you talk about Eric Kendricks and maybe a couple other guys that have just really been – uh, impressive this year? Well, I think the, the defense really starts with Eric Hendricks. Um, he's kind of the, to put it in UFC terms, he's kind of the Hayes Pollard. He's very much the do-everything guy. He ranges sideline to sideline, can cover a little bit, but he calls out the defense. He, you know, makes sure everyone's in the right spot. Through the beginning part of the year when they weren't really scheming very aggressively, he had to be kind of a cleanup crew. Just, you know, if there was a, a running back running free, he was the guy tackling him. He was kind of just always there. Um, and then up front, uh, Kenny Clark and Eddie Vanderdose. Uh, Vanderdose should be familiar to yes. USC fans. Um, <laughs> Kenny Clark and Eddie Vanderdose have been uh, – Vanderdose especially over the last few games, but Clark all year have been pretty dang good up front. Um, they're really good against the run. Um, they've been able to kind of generate a push against the pass, so they're not either of them really dominant pass rushers. Um, but that middle – kind of trio there has really kind of stepped up in the last couple of games and they've done a kind of a much better job of stopping the run and forcing teams to uh, get to the air a little bit more. It's funny. I was looking at some of the, and the statistical leader on offense for receiving is Jordan Payton. If I'm not mistaken, he was a USC. Yeah. One time too. So Vanderdose. Well, among, among many others, among yeah. many homes, Jordan Payton. Eldred, uh, Eldridge yeah. Massington. Uh, I'm trying, who else was on there that was a USC commit? That's crazy. It's a lot. It's Elvis Massington, it's Jordan Payton, it's Vanderdose, it's was Ellis McCarthy ever actually committed or was he just part of that group who was kind of SC and then mostly Cal Games? Yeah, I, I think he remember. was yeah, I think he wasn't actually committed at any point. Yeah. There are people Yeah, but there there are a couple more. But yeah, no, it's there's a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of guys who kinda of leapt back and forth and I mean USC's got a couple too. Um so it's it's an interesting it's always an interesting dynamic talking to those players in the week leading up when we're asking, you know, Jordan Payton, and he's like, I, I can't even remember when I was committed to USC. I was committed to so many schools, or, you know, <laughs> Vanderdose talking about it, and he's like, well, I just committed to USC, but 
I didn't know anything about the rivalry then. It's just funny talking to all those guys. Yeah, Vanderdose just switched one school, but Peyton, I think he had like four or five different commits there. So he was kind of, but you know, now leading the team, uh, you know, 839 yards receiving, seven touchdowns so far. Eldridge Massington seems like he's doing pretty well. What's Hundley's receivers been like? It's been pretty good. I mean, I don't think there's anyone who really jumps out to you as an absolute game breaker. And I think that's probably one of the pretty significant weaknesses in the offense. We've been talking about it for a year now. Um, but there's a lot of really solid, solidly built too. I mean, literally solid guys who are, um, you know, good possession type receivers with maybe a little bit more burst than you give them credit to credit for. Um, Peyton Duarte, uh, Thomas Duarte and Eldridge Masson can have all been really solid this year. Uh, Devin Fuller out of the slot has been pretty good. He's not kind of the explosive threat that people thought he might be, but he's a solid enough receiver. Um, they're trying to develop, um, true freshman Mossy Johnson a little bit more because he kind of has some of those game-breaking qualities you want. He's got pretty elite quickness. Um, just you know, It's just a question for him. He's a true freshman, really getting everything, but he's been a good blocker so far. Um, and then Kenny Walker uh, has kind of that elite track speed. It's just teaching him how to catch the ball. Um, but he's caught a couple of deep posts for touchdowns this year, so Huntley's got a nice core of receivers, but just it's missing that one piece, you know, the guy who can you know, like USC's had a bunch of them. The guy who can take a three-yard pass and turn it into a 70-yard touchdown. He doesn't quite have that piece, but he's got a lot of nice guys to work with downfield. And uh, as far as running the football, everyone talks about uh, Miles Jack, but uh, what about Paul Perkins and what he's been able to do? He's over 1,000 yards. Yeah, Perkins is good. Um, he's not. He doesn't have the uh, kind of elite-level athletic tools that you think of when you think of a you know dominant running back. But what he has is very good vision, very good balance, good toughness and durability like he doesn't mind getting hit and he just has this kind of innate knack for finding a hole and hitting it um i think he's leading the league right now in yards per carry um and it's pretty obvious just watching him why that would be because it's not like he's getting dropped for a loss a lot he's generally getting five or six carries uh, five or six yards a pop um he's he's a good very good running back i think if miles jack ever wanted to play full-time running back he would steal the spot in a heartbeat but perkins He's very much. He's much more than serviceable. He's a he's a good back. And then, what about just uh, generically on special teams? Anything stand out? With you know, high points, low points. What 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 can USC fans expect from the UCLA special teams groups? It's so we'll start with the high points. Um, <laughs> coverage, kick coverage is generally really good. They gave up a kick return for a touchdown against Washington, um, but aside from that, they've been pretty dominant all year. They didn't. I, I think for the longest time they hadn't allowed a punt return which speaks a little bit to the punting situation, but also their their coverage is just very good. They dropped a few guys who, you know, caught the ball and just dropped them right there. Um, and then kick return coverage has been pretty good. Um, the negative is probably uh, the place-taking situation. Uh, Kaimi Fairburn has been very inconsistent. Well, actually, the best way to describe it would be actually fairly consistent. He doesn't <laughs> kick well under pressure, oh. and he doesn't kick well beyond 40 yards. But aside from that, he's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> UCLA always but, has good uh, kickers. That's crazy. The Bruins seem to always. Yeah, no, it's it, it's like uh, to get a decent, consistent program. You know, UCLA had to sacrifice something. It was place kicking. <laughs> um, That's okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you take some, you leave some. Um, and then the punting situation has actually improved throughout the year. Uh, Matt Mangle has kind of taken on the job and done better as years gone on. He's a JC punter who had to come in at the last minute because UCLA lost its punter uh, to. Honestly, I don't even remember. It was a transfer or something. But he uh, 
So they had to bring in a guy last minute, and he kind of struggled at the beginning of the year, but he's been better since. So that's probably more than anyone ever wanted to know about UCLA special teams situation. <laughs> it's okay. We're trying to be thorough here and talk about, you know, it's tough. Sometimes stuff comes up, and you're like, oh, I remember hearing about that on the, the podcast. So hopefully that, we can <laughs> there you go. Uh, now, recruiting is obviously a big deal in this game, too. Uh, I mean, they're going to be a bunch of official visitors. I know there's going to be a ton of, of unofficial ones. And how important do you think it is, you know, recruiting in, in the Southland for between, you know, between USC and UCLA for this game? Well, I think this, I mean, this game is always huge, um, especially for LA-based kids. Um, you know, whether, I don't think it ever is a deal breaker, but I think it helps to reinforce decisions for certain kids would probably be the best way to put it. Um, right now, UCLA does have a group of official visitors set up. Um, most of them are commits, but they've also got Josh Waraboko, the Oklahoma offensive guard. Yeah. And uh, Benning Potolayo. I, I, I would struggle pronouncing that no matter <laughs> what, how many, how, no matter how much I tried, I would struggle. Uh, the DL from uh, Washington. So there's a couple of guys coming in as unofficials. I think there's set to be obviously a huge group of unofficial visitors um, from throughout the Southland, but it's going to be it's it's always big. I think putting together three straight would start to maybe change a little bit of the thinking in some younger guys' minds. Um, the last two wins, I think it's not really, it wasn't really about, you know, will that change thing for 2014, change for 2015. It's more about, will it start getting it in kids' heads who are, you know, in eighth, ninth grade then that UCLA is actually a reasonable spot to think about. Um, and I think three straight starts to really kind of, solidify that for kids you know it's a long process after usc put together whatever it was 10 of 11 um through that stretch it's going to be a process for ucla to really start making inroads and become the you know childhood favorite of a guy again no i agree with you and that's and i think that's what sometimes you don't quite understand but like for a recruit this year it doesn't quite mean as much but it, it does matter down the road and i think three in a row would would do a lot, I think, for for UCLA recruiting. You know, being able to say, "Hey, we beat USC three times in a row." That's something that some of the younger kids kind of see and go through. And but I, I wanted to get your thoughts on because when you know the sanctions hit and New Heisel came in, and I really felt that that was a, a great opportunity that UCLA would and New Heisel been a great recruiter to kind of step in and take some of those local five star guys. And I I think UCLA is starting to get into it more. I mean. Uh, you know, Josh Rosen's going to be coming in, and there, there's been a couple, but for the, you know, the, the those skill guys that are like the, the Dory Jacksons and the Juju Smiths just always yeah. seem to end up at USC. And I thought that really with with sanctions and and you know, New Heisel coming in, they would kind of change things. Mora's done better, I think, than the New Heisel did on that front. But do you think that's something that can that's important to kind of change because it does seem when it comes down to those local five star dudes, they're still ending up it's still ending up at USC now. Oh, it's it's completely huge. I mean, if you stick a Dory Jackson's playmaking ability on offense on UCLA this year, that makes the offense more or less a complete group. It's got that playmaker, that dynamic guy with the ball in his hands. And, you know, not having that type of guy is, I mean, it's it has made the offense probably a cut below what it should be. And then just in general, consistently, you know, not winning every 50-50 battle or every 60-40 battle or every 40-60 battle, but pulling off enough of those, that needs to start happening. And I think it is to a certain extent, maybe not as much as you would expect after two straight. Um, I think, you know, USC is in good position for a lot of, you know, pretty high-level L.A., Southern California guys. So 
maybe this, you know, maybe if UCLA wins this weekend, that starts to sway maybe some in this group. But again, I think it's more even younger guys than this. But yeah, it's it's big. Um, I think pulling off, you know, I think with New Heisel, um, a big part of it was he was a good recruiter, but he was doing a lot of it himself because his staff was not very good. Uh, um, okay. To put it charitably, um, and then. He just didn't have anything to sell after a little while. I mean, you put together two four and eight seasons, you're not going to have a whole lot to sell. Um, so I think that was part of it. And then Mora came in and immediately hired Adrian Clem, hired Demetrius Martin, hired these guys who have a reputation as really high-level recruiters. And I think that paid dividends, especially in the 2013 class. And then, you know, it's shaping up to be a pretty good 2015 class as well. Um, so the hope is that momentum continues. And then, you know, if they do win the third straight over USC, that it starts to really start to generate some traction. How about uh, Kennedy Palomalo? How's he been doing over there, former former USC assistant, USC player and stuff? Drawing rave reviews. Um, he's The running backs in general are just running better, more with a purpose, you know, better ball control, better ball security, um, seem to you know be more of that one cut and get downfield that he likes, you know, that kind of strong big back. You know, even guys who are smaller like Paul Perkins, not a huge guy, running with a lot of force, running with a lot of impact. Uh, Paul Malo, I'm sure you know this, he preaches collision. You know, you want to you wanna cause the collision if you're a running back. You don't want to get hit, you want to deliver the hit. Um, and I think he's he's brought that kind of culture that they've brought to the rest of the program. I think he's brought it to that running backs group. And then as a recruiter, I think it's just, you know, I think he's done a good job on uh, running backs throughout the country but i think mostly what his impact has been is just on the field and i think you know ucla's production in the running game is a testament to that we have, we're with dave woods uh from brewer report online he's a beat writer team beat writer for football and basketball you can follow him on twitter at david david woods and uh now david i was trying a little experiment we haven't done a podcast together i wanted to ask the, the peristyle if they had any nice questions for you so would, would you mind answering a few of the questions from our premium message board the peristyle absolutely let's All right. do it cool okay uh la fonda l-a-f-a-w-n-d-u-h okay that's an interesting one la fonda he had two questions one i think you already touched on about um maybe if you want to add anything to it about the, there's been a lot of talk about the UCLA's improved play the last few weeks. Do you think that it's because it's a, a weaker slate since or since Oregon, or do you really think they've turned the corner and improved? I'll say this: I don't think even if UCLA is playing as well as it is now, I don't think they would have had much of a chance against the way Oregon was playing then. So it is partly a weaker slate, um, but you know, again, it's the eye test. Yeah. Watching them against Washington, they look like a better team. Now, maybe that'll translate on the field on Saturday, and maybe they'll go back to kind of some of their inconsistent play from the beginning of the year. But I do think that they've kind of improved qualitatively rather than just looking at the opponents. Yeah, I agree. I think the eye test, it, they definitely look like a better program right now. But like like you said, we don't even know which team either side's going to show up. It'll, that's why no. this is all interesting. Um, no, his, it could be complete clowns. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his second question was: All the fuss at midseason with the coaches—they were losing players. There was infighting, and there was like that incident on the field. Do you think that happened? And if so, what extent was there kind of infighting going on? You know, I don't think it was. It was tweeted out by some some guy, and I don't. I don't think it was anything significant. I'm sure there was something where. I mean, whenever you lose two straight after you've been ranked the number seven team in the country to start the year. 
I think there's going to be a little bit of consternation in the locker room. But the one thing, if you were pointing to one thing that Mora has brought to the UCLA program, it's a sense of consistency and a sense of, you know, our locker room is our locker room. We're going to keep it, keep it together. Um, and I think that's been kind of the hallmark his entire time here. And I, I never got that impression from practice that they were anything less than, you know, intense and working hard. So, no, I don't think that was that was a significant player. I think really what caused the issues was it, really it was kind of simple football stuff. They had some pretty poor schemes in place to suit their talent to start the year, and then they needed to change that, which they did. And then Brett Helmley started to kind of play a little bit poorly through Cal and Colorado. But the ideal, the hopeful thing is that they figured all of that out heading into the final game of the season. Uh, let's see. Next one we have. Which underclassmen do you see leaving early for the draft that's not named uh, Brett Hundley? Ooh, any, interesting. Any I'm not sure if any. Okay. There was there was talk before the year that Ellis McCarthy might have the potential to do that. He's a true junior, um, but he really hasn't had the year to do that. Uh, it's been a little bit hampered by lower leg stuff, and then he just he's been mostly a second string lineman, so I can't see that happening. Yeah. Um, Jordan Payton, like you said, is a true junior. I don't know what his thoughts are on the NFL, but I would have to imagine he'll stay just because he's not, he doesn't have those, you know, ideal NFL measurables to make him an early entry guy. He might be a, I, I would think he'd be kind of a Shaq Evans pick maybe in a year, you know, fourth or fifth rounder. Gotcha. But I don't see him as a guy. And then I'm trying to think if there'd be any other real possibilities. I don't, most of the really high-level talent that I would say are legit NFL prospects are mostly second years right now. It's Kenny Clark, Eddie Vanderdose, uh, some of the offensive linemen, Miles Jack. Those guys, I think, are still a year away. So I, I think that junior class probably doesn't have too many. Okay. Um, yeah, there's been a lot. SC had like five juniors leave last year. Yeah. And three of them didn't even get drafted. I, I think it was three. Uh or maybe it was well, four. George Uko's out now, isn't he? Yeah. He's cut or something. Yeah, yeah Uko's not on the team. I don't even know. I think uh, Deion Bailey's on a practice squad in Seattle. I'd have to, I have to go back and take a right. look. But, yeah, it's not a – that was more about the coaching transition. Now, maybe something changes if, you know, Moore went and took the Florida job or something. I mean, if something's crazy yeah, like that, then maybe sure. that's true. Oh, absolutely. If, if Moore decided up and leave, I think some guys who – you know, a guy like maybe Jordan Payton. That's the one guy that keeps jumping out to me just because he's a true junior having a pretty good year. Yeah. Um, and this this year for USC, most likely Leonard Williams, uh, Nelson Aguilar, and potentially yeah. Buck Allen. So that um, there's some more potential ones there. Uh, so we have one last one for you. What's the difference between the UCLA squad from 2013 and the UCLA, UCLA squad from 2014? Well, it, at the beginning of the year, I would have said the lack of Anthony Barr and Cassius Marsh because it looked a little bit worse than the 2013 squad. But as as we kind of progress through the year, I think the difference is they're getting more cohesive offensive line play, which is why they're playing better now than I think they were at any point in kind of the mid-season last year. Um, I think they had some personnel changes, and they had a defensive coordinator change with Jeff Ulbrich coming in and place with Thanos that I think it just caused some gelling issues. Um, they don't have those natural all-everything pass rushers that – Cassius Marsh and Anthony Barr were. And so they had to compensate for it by changing the scheme a little bit. And I think they were just maybe a little bit slow to do that. Um, and, you know, that's part of having a new defensive coordinator. Um, but I think those were kind of the big changes. And then on the offensive line, they've had to change the personnel. I mean, you lose Xavier Sufilo, who's a, you know, second round pick in the NFL. 
and they had to kind of mix and match and plug some guys. They thought Malcolm Bunch, who was a graduate transfer, would come in and be a really good force at left tackle, and it really didn't turn out that way, and it was only about mid-season when Connor McDermott was inserted there that they started to get really good offensive line play. Um, so they've made some changes mid-year that changed things from last year, and then there were some negative things from last year that kind of didn't get figured out until mid-season uh, this year. Cool. All right. Well, we're going to ask you uh, at the end, what do you think is going to happen on Saturday? You don't have to pick if you don't want to. Whatever you feel comfortable doing, like, well, how do you think it's going to play out? I know there's a lot of different scenarios, but what, what do you think is going to happen? It's going to be really, really interesting. Um, like we've been talking about, I don't know precisely what teams to expect. I think UCLA has kind of figured out its issues and is ready to play pretty good ball. And I think the fact that they have something to play for in terms of you know that outside chance to play off, in terms of a Pac-12 championship, I think that should provide some real motivation factor. I think USC is going to have a lot of that too because this is a must-win for them if they want any chance at the Pac-12 championship. I think what it'll play out pretty similarly to the last couple of games. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't think UCLA is going to win by you know three touchdowns, but I could see it being a a pretty decent 10-point, 14-point win. I, I think UCLA has a little bit better depth. Um, and I think there's just, you know, some things USC does. I mean, if they blitz a ton, maybe that'll change. But if they're playing a lot of coverage, I think Brett Hundley's kind of figured out how to attack that. Um, I think his running has kind of plagued USC for the last couple of years. So I think that could, is going to be a factor. And then defensively, UCLA is playing better than it was at the beginning of the year. I think they should be able to pressure Kessler a little bit more than they might have at the beginning of the year. Um, so I think UCLA wins. I think it's like a 10 or 14 point game, but I'm, I'm not going to hold myself to it because <laughs> like I said, there's, there's no telling what teams show up on Saturday. Yeah. It will be interesting to see. So he'll be out there at the Rose bowl on Saturday. He's Dave Woods. He's a beat writer for football and basketball for Bruin report online, the UCLA site on the scout.com network. You can follow him on Twitter at David, David Woods. Dave, thanks so much for uh, coming on the show. I mean, I'm, I think I might get some hate mail having having you on the podcast, but we wanted to get some thoughts oh. on UCLA. You know, what, what can we do? I know. I'm, I'm reading your <laughs> message board right now and people saying, I don't want to listen to that guy. Who is he? <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, we didn't get quite as many questions as I thought. I, I tr- told people to be polite, and I think they were like, well, I don't uh, want to be polite. So That's the limiting factor. That's always the limiting factor. Sweet. But, All right, man. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for, for coming on. And uh, you can check out more on peristylepodcast.com and uscfootball.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.